Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. Well, man, I'm, I'm excited. Look, this is the first one. First one of the new year, and I'm just excited about what the Lord's going to do. How many of you... Uh, make resolutions every year? Anybody? Okay, a few of you. Uh, how many are just not for that? You're like, I'm not going to keep them, so I'm not going to do it anyway. How many are indifferent? It just doesn't matter. This is another day just like any other day. All right, I can track with that. I respect that. Um, we'll talk about New Year's resolutions a little bit. Um, this is a, uh, I, I mean, honestly, I'm just kind of like having a chat with you. Uh, I've got an outline. Um, but I don't know how much I'm going to follow it. Um, and, and really, I just, I'm kind of working my way through my own feelings about a new year and what the Lord is doing and um, what I want to see the Lord do. And I, I know scripture says where, where there is no vision, the people perish, you know. And so uh, I think about that. I think, Lord, you know, give us a vision. Let us, let us see a glimpse of what you want us to do, and what you want us to accomplish. And Lord, and I know the Holy Spirit gives visions, you know. Like, Lord, just in my mind's eye, let me see it. Let me, let me live in that moment for a minute and, and let that reveal to me kind of my next steps, you know. And I, I think about that for my kids. You know, Lord, give me a vision for my children. You know, can, can you see it? Can you envision maybe what the Lord has for you or for your children? or for your grandchildren. And as we, as we see that, I mean, I think about like the Great Commission. I mean, those are big words. The Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Where, you know, Jesus commissions them and, and says, go, reach the world. H have we felt that in a while? Have we felt the the weight of the fact that the Lord is entrusting us with telling others the good news. Do, do we have a gospel-centered life? In, in that sense, like, I think today's culture is about self-centered, right? Maybe we could agree on that. In the sense, it's you become the best version of you. And then, you know, cue up the funny voices that I do, right? But it's like, <laughs> just be the best version of you. It's all about you. Your world revolves around you, right? And essentially, your New Year's resolutions are for you. And maybe sometimes, like, we as Christians, we have, like, a little 50-50, you know what I mean, where it's like, we're a little bit of that and a little bit of scripture and we're somewhere in the middle. But that almost like calls to my memory and remembrance the book of Revelation where the Lord's addressing the seven churches and he says, look, I'd rather you be cold or hot. I'd, I'd rather you be on or off. What good is it being in the middle? And so it's, for me, I'm thinking to myself like, how am I starting this new year? And I mean, I'm so excited that, that we get to start this together. 
But at the same time, I'm processing and thinking through this, and I'm like, I, I don't want this just to be another year. And maybe I'm just getting a little bit older, where maybe in my early 20s and throughout my 20s, it was like, I got to do and build and grow. And now I'm like, did I tell you my oldest kid just got braces? <laughs> it's like, what's, what's happening? Like life is starting to, to go so fast, you can't even grab hold of it. It's just, whew. and before I know it, it's going to be like off to college. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's insane. Middle school's approaching. I mean, you turned 17 this week. How about that? It's crazy, just a blink of an eye. And so, so I think I'm just processing things like, this isn't just about me. Lord, what about my kids? Lord, do they know you? I mean, sometimes I'm like, as a parent, and I think you can maybe track with this, you're just like, I, I just want to raise them to not kill people. <laughs> I just won't, don't want them to end up in prison. You know what I mean? Like, Lord, just help me raise a human being that can go out in the world and just keep down a job, and I would be totally happy with that, just as long as you don't see him on the nightly news. You know what I mean? And there's Ross. No. <laughs> it's like, I just want to, like, raise decent... God-fearing human beings. I don't care. Success is that to me. And I'm, I'm envisioning that, and I'm like, am I imparting that to them? Am I teaching them? Am I getting up and giving a sermon to a bunch of people, and am I counseling throughout the week, you know, folks in our church, but I'm missing it with my children? Because statistically, that's what pastors do. I'm thinking, I'm processing, I'm going through a lot of these things in my own heart, in my own mind. And you know what? I, I bet you're going through them too. I bet you're walking through similar situations like, do I keep this job? Do I change careers? Do I go back to school? Or do I stay married? Do I change? Do I stop that sin? You know what I mean? Like there's, there's some big decisions out there and we're all in different places. How do, we how do we address that? How do we approach this biblically? The world, January 1st, it's resolutions. Here's what they're doing for the most part. What can I add? What can I add to my life, right? How can I make more, more money, more time, more things, right? Every, for the most part, <coughs> New Year's resolution is about adding things. But I'm reminded that Jesus tells us, for whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall actually find it. Maybe the upside down nature of the gospel has not made its way to our heart yet. Maybe it hasn't made a connection in our heart to our brain in the sense that we are actually looking at things the wrong way. We're actually not approaching things biblically when we say, here's what I'm going to add. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to change. What about, here's what I'm not going to do. Here's where I'm not going to speak. Here's what I'm going to leave out. <laughs> you know, in our consumeristic mentality, I don't even know if that's a word consumeristic. That sounds right. We'll go with it. You don't see all these like ads on social media and commercials talking about, 
let me take a bunch of things away from you. Your life's gonna be so much better. They say, I've got the one thing that you don't have that's gonna make the difference and you need it now. And you're like, yeah, I sure do. <laughs> sure need another thing. <laughs> you, you don't even have space for it. I mean, can we cram another thing into our houses? You know what I'm saying? How many collect things? I mean, we just collect. We, we do it because we are literally being driven by this consumer culture. Another thing, this thing is gonna make all the difference. When we're hungry, we go, we're hungry. There's 10 places to stop on the way home to fulfill that desire. I have an immediate need of eating something or I'm thirsty, <coughs> thirsty. I actually am thirsty right now. <laughs> oh, she, that was my cue to say, hey, can I have some water? <laughs> it, it's like we, we, we think it and we can fulfill it. And, and think about the, the eligibility for us as Americans and all the things that are at our fingertips. But yet when we go to the scriptures, these men and women were literally like hunted for their faith. These men and women gave their lives. They had offerings in the book of Acts when the, first, when the church first started and they were just like selling everything off and just being like, here, take it. it like create more gospel opportunities because they saw the need. And, and that specific need was something that cost them their lives. Thank you so much you the best. If you've got some coffee or drink, go ahead, take a swig. Come on now. I don't know about myself. <laughs> How do we get there? How do we in our, it, it doesn't sound weird, 2023. That's, it's crazy, 2023. Who would have thunk it? I thought the Lord would have come back by now. But like, how do we in our Americanized consumer culture find ourselves in a need for a touch from heaven? How do we find ourselves in a place where we're like craving God's presence and we're feeling it? Like that's, as I look at this new year, I'm like, Lord, I just want to get in your presence. I just want to have a, a sense that I'm walking because you're telling me to walk. I'm not just moving for the sake of moving. I'm not just making a purchase because I wanna make a purchase. I'm making a purchase because you're leading me to make that purchase. I, I wanna be in this thing with God in the new year. There's one way to do that. The title of today's message is a healthy way to remove something in the new year. A healthy way to remove something in the new year. Let's read the scripture together. Matthew chapter nine, Matthew chapter nine, verses 14 and 15. Matthew chapter nine, verses 14 and 15. It says this, then John's disciples came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests be sad while the groom is with them? The time will come when the groom will be taken away from them and then they will what? And then they will fast. Just go on this journey with me. I'm not, I'm kind of leaving my outline here. I was thinking about this this morning. 
John's disciples, John the Baptist, preparing the way. We talked about that over the last few weeks, but the Pharisees were fasting openly, publicly. They were like telling everyone, I'm not eating. Why? Because they were doing it for a temporary, temporal reason. They wanted people to think that they were spiritual, right? And so everybody knew they were fasting. Everybody knew what was happening because that's really the, the thing that they were receiving from it. But Jesus says, like, look, the need is not really right now. But that need was for the disciples. The disciples didn't need to fast. But did he need to fast? Mm-hmm. Think about how he began his earthly ministry. He spent 40 days in the desert fasting. Yeah, yeah, the disciples don't need to fast yet. Their time will what? It will come. But right now, they're in my presence, and I am fulfilling every need that they have. They didn't have a full understanding of what God was doing, even to the point that he died. They were still like, what just happened? It wasn't until after he was resurrected that he was with them 40 days, right? And explained to them, do you see the miracle that's happening, right? I'm commissioning you. And they're like, oh my goodness. He was talking about himself when the temple is torn down in three days, it's rebuilt. I get it. Up until that time, they were literally, the 12 were riding on his coattails, It wasn't about them fasting. Even when he had his moments of prayer and he told them to pray, they were falling falling asleep. But if we look at what Jesus was doing, here's the thing that, that came to my mind this morning. The children of Israel, right? And Jesus is that new Israel. He's the new anointed one, the anointed king, sitting on the throne of David. So the children of Israel, they they mess up and have 40 years wandering in the desert. All of their needs were met with their clothes, with their shoes, with their food, and all they could do is murmur and complain. And they had it all. Moving from the wilderness into the temple, into the ministry, they failed over and over and over again. Jesus comes when he starts his earthly ministry. He doesn't go 40 days where he's eating and drinking and he has everything that he wants. The 40 years in the wilderness with the children of Israel is Jesus's 40 days in the wilderness. But he goes without. And then when he comes out of that, he's what? Tempted. And he proves, I think there's, and I'm kind of, like I said, I'm shooting from the hip here a little bit. There, there's a, the Beelzebub term, right, that's given for, for Satan. It literally means Lord of the flies. And the life cycle of flies is 40 days. In other words, while Satan is coming and attacking, that fly will continue to perpetuate and grow other ones and more will swarm and more will come. But at the end of that life cycle, if there is not a source of food for them to feed off of, they will be dead in 40 days. The flies will not last. You think it's any coincidence that Jesus comes on the scene and fasts 40 days? 
proving that his life cycle will outlast the enemy. His kingdom has come to be established on earth. And unlike the Israel of the past, unlike the first Adam that led to a sinful generation, he, the second Adam, will not fail. He, the second Adam, will not complain about what he has to eat or drink. He will not eat. And he will prove that all he needs is from the Father. And his Father receives. He he receives from his Father through prayer and what? Fasting. Man will not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And so Jesus, through prayer and fasting, does and displays. Can you imagine the disciples after he leaves and they go, wait a minute. I remember what he did. How do we get the power of God? I remember. Over and over, he practiced fasting and prayer. And and what do we do? Once again, we fall into the consumer mentality and we think about what we what? Need. And God is like, if you're receiving from this world, you're not gonna receive from the other world. To say yes to one thing is to say no to something else. To say yes to something else is to say no to this thing. It's an exchange. I think about that quote. Did you send me a C.S. Lewis quote that was kind of like, to live for this life is to miss the next, but to live this life for the next is to, is that not it? I'm butchering it, aren't I? That was the, that was the idea. <laughs> the point is, is if we're consumed with this life, we'll miss the next one. But if we live this life for the next, this life is a bonus. We receive it, we get it. it it's, it's so hard. Like you see a young person, right? That just like lives for themselves, selfish. You're like, you're making a lot of mistakes. It's so easy to see. It's so easy to point out, but we do the same things. We just get better as we get older. We get better at masking it. We get better at showing, not showing our cards rather. There's something to this thing of fasting. And Jesus says, look, when I go away, you're gonna need it. He tells us that we're gonna need it. He tells us that we're gonna want to use that as a tool, but how often do we actually use it? How many times have we said last year, I really need an answer, God. I really need to know. I I, I really need an answer. I need to know, Lord. I need to know what I should do with this relationship. I need to know what I should do with my job. I, I need to know how to get through to my children. How many times over the year have we just reached that point where it's, I just don't know, God. And God is like, I'm waiting for you to fast. I'm waiting for you to do what I told you to do, to receive what you need. We we just think that God just gives it to us. No, God can't give it to you. Your hands are full. You can't hold it. You can't receive it because you're full. You're receiving what you want. Pharisee, understand that if you're doing it for everybody just to see it, then you've received your reward of people thinking you're a good person. You're not going to receive the actual blessing of something, a word from heaven, the presence of God coming to fill an empty void because you're full. It's 
underutilized. God has provided us with so many tools and spiritual resources to ensure that we could have the best relationship possible with him. And one of the most overlooked, underutilized tools we have is fasting. The regular practice of fasting has decreased over the years, and churches teach less and less on fasting, even though it's mentioned over 70 times in the Bible. We have numerous examples of biblical figures who fasted, including Jesus himself. And we, we read that, like, literally, if you think about it, he says, when the groom is gone, right, well, at some point, he's saying you'll need it. And what are we? We, we are the bride of Christ. And he's not here. He's not with us. And I, I think the ultimate, the ultimate thing that should really, like, shock us to the point that this is something that we need to be doing regularly is the fact that he hasn't come back yet. And if you need Jesus, and I think, look, don't we all need Jesus? And if he uses a marriage analogy and says that we as the church are the bride of Christ and he hasn't come back for us yet, then we better stay connected to him. And how better to stay connected to him than with prayer and fasting? They go hand in hand. So this year we, we're setting this up to where uh, I'm starting off the year with this message. We'll have one more message on it next week. And then we start. We're going to do 21 days uh, the, to the end of the month. So the last 21 days of the month. We just want to set, set some time aside for the Lord to work, to create space. And here's what I want to say. If you are like, man, I'm not, I don't really want to uh, do the food thing. I can't, maybe a health reason or whatever. It's too much. Like, don't let that be, don't let that just take you out altogether. Like, it's a lie from the devil that because I'm not doing what they're doing, I can't do it at all. That's comparison. And comparison is what's killing us. Like the Lord wants to have like a relationship with you. The Lord loves you just as much as he loves me, just as much as he loves the person that doesn't know him yet. And so you, you do that business with God. And so what I'm saying is, is if you're like, I can't do the food thing, do something else. Like, I don't know, maybe a, a social media detox for 21 days. Maybe, uh, let's see, what's some ideas, something we can give up. Maybe give up uh, transportation. Say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, I'm going to ride the bus for 21 days. I can't do that. People do it all the time. Horse and buggy, huh? Horse and buggy, 21 days. Whatever it is that you do, make it inconvenient for you. Make it a pain in your butt to where you're like, man, I don't want to let, oh, sorry. She's like, no, don't do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't do that one. <laughs> That'd be a pain in other people's butts. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Make it something that you're going to feel the pain, right? And then at that point, when you feel the pain, guess what? The Lord meets you comes to you. If it's not something that means anything, if it's something that it doesn't really matter, you're just going to fill it with something else. Pick something, find something, do the work of prayer to prepare for this thing. Have a conversation with the Lord about it and may it be between you and him. Yes, it's a public fast. Yes, it's something that we're doing together. Corporate fasts are biblical as well. Also fast where nobody knows about it. It's all in there. The point is, is the heart the spirit behind it. 
And so don't let the devil lie to you and say, well, just because I'm not doing food, I'm, I'm not doing it. No, be a part, get in there. How many are cold? Okay, we're, we're done with the fans. The air, the air is working, all right. So I just wanted to preface by saying that. Hey, church, what is fasting? Fasting is humbling ourselves by giving up physical needs to more freely access a spiritual realm. Come on now, I'm gonna say it again. Fasting is humbling ourselves by giving up physical needs to more freely access a spiritual realm. If you haven't made a connection between your physicality and your spirituality, at some point you should. At some point you should see that they're connected. And I think even more so, like as I have gotten healthier over the last year, I see a spiritual connection to that. We are spiritual beings created in God's image, right? There's, there's a connection between the two. And so many think, well, no, what's spiritual is spiritual and physical is physical. No, not necessarily. Yes, there is the spiritual realm and the physical realm, but if you go without something in the physical realm, what God is saying is you can have access to something in the spiritual realm. You have to see the connection. That's what fasting is. Fasting is letting go of things that hold us in a temporal, physical world to get more focused on eternal, spiritual matters. What is fasting? It's a a method to develop a more powerful relationship with God. How many want a more powerful relationship with the Lord? I want the power. Come on. Send it. It's a means. What is fasting? It's a means to a spiritual awakening, a renewal. What fasting is not, it's not a diet. It ain't. I mean, I I know intermittent fasting is a diet, but that's not what we're talking about. It's not atonement for your sin. This is not something you do to earn or merit heaven. That work has already been done. This fasting will reveal to you what has been done for you. Fasting will bring clarity to what God has already done and is currently doing for you right now. It's not a means to merit or earn forgiveness of sin. And it's not a shopping list of wants. I'm gonna fast for that car. (laughs) I'm gonna believe it and receive it. The Lord's gonna give it to me. Amen. This ain't prosperity gospel. We're going deeper than that. Can you see it? Can you see it with me? How many know there's, there's more meaningful things out there than things? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna hit you with these benefits. Here's the bennies of fasting, and then we're gonna go home and eat something. How many, how many ate seafood last night, ringing in the new year? Isn't it good luck? Did I hear that? Was it you that told me that, babe? She heard that it's good luck to eat seafood on New Year's Eve. So, hey, we got it all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we got it all going into the new year. Chris made some, uh, like, shrimp. What was that thing? Shrimp gnocchi. It was good. It was legit. Anyway, let's talk about the benefits of this. I hope this is something that you will engage in. Amen? Benefits of fasting. Number one, draw closer to God draw closer to God. Joel 2, 12 through 13. Even now, this is the Lord's declaration. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord 
<laughs> Did you hear that? Rend your heart and not your garments. <laughs> Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Look, this is the Lord's declaration. Turn to me with all your heart. You know the Lord wants you. Can you believe that? After all we've put him through, you know the Lord still, my sorry carcass, the Lord still wants to have a relationship with me. I fail him over and over and over again. I think of Romans 5.8, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. While I was yet in my sin, while I was twofold a child of wrath on the way to a devil's hell, the Lord loved me and cared for me. Man. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, God. Appreciate it. Going back to my regularly scheduled program. And that's what we do. We live our lives. We have moments of clarity. We have moments of, <laughs> thanks. Salvation really is sure good. Going to have a whole eternity with you. See you in 70 years. Moments of clarity. Moments, watershed moments. And then we go back right back to it. And God says, no, I want you to draw close to me now. I, I want you to know that I'm here now. I, I, I know that there is a difference between your physical and your in the spiritual realm, but, but I'm there. The veil is so thin. Unfortunately, you can't see me. You can't hear me under the sound of all the voices that are in your head. The Holy Ghost is there. He's inside, and he, he wants to commune. He wants to have conversation, but all you can hear is your stomach grumbling. All you can think about is your next meal. All you can think about is what the next raise is going to do for. The Lord says, how about you stop all that right now? and draw closer to me. I, I, want, I want to have relationship with you. I think the most meaningful thing we can do here at the beginning of January is draw closer to the Lord. I think the most meaningful thing we can hear is the voice of God. And that's actually one of them. A benefit of fasting is hearing the voice of God. The New Testament prophetess Anna is praised in the book of Luke for being a devoted servant to God in his temple. Because she regularly fasted and prayed, she was able to hear the voice of God speak clearly to her the day that baby Jesus was brought into the temple to be dedicated. Why is it that they seem to grow spiritually and I don't? Well, why is it that I can't get my prayers answered? Maybe somebody else is praying and fasting. This is not a competition. This is revelation. Those that are, they just seem to be grateful and thankful and content. It's not that they have more. Have we figured this out yet? It's that they're good with it. They have a relationship. They have clarity as to what those things actually are in their life. You say, man, I like that. Prayer and fasting. How many would like a better perspective in 2023? How many would like to just see things clearly like, Lord, what are you doing with this thing? It's, it seems a little murky. Prayer and fasting. I wonder if we'd have more missionaries. I wonder if we'd have more people that just literally leave it all behind and go to a foreign country and give people the gospel if we were praying and fasting more. 
I wonder if our church would send out someone to plant a church this year. I want to do 20, right? That's like one of my goals for, for my life. I wonder if someone will be called to ministry this year from our church. You don't think God could do it? I think he can if we're what? Praying and fasting. I wonder how many of us are just cruising. We're just literally on cruise control. And God's like, yeah, whenever you want to take it off cruise control, I'll, I'll tell you what's next. I'll tell you what exit to get off of. But we're not at the steering wheel. We're, we're some kind of like automated driving car. Does anybody have that, that setting in their cars where it keeps them in the lane, the lane assist? You got that in, that, in your new Honda? Miss Jimma just got a nice new car. It's pretty. Anybody else have that thing? You got it in yours? I just got Sarah a minivan. That thing scares me half to death. I've, I found out that I spend most of my time in other people's lanes. <laughs> I'm like driving down the road, and most of the time I'm like up in their lane, you know, but this thing, it's like beep, beep, beep. I'm like, what is that? I mean, you can like have a full-on conversation with the car. And so then I just let go of the thing. And I was like, hey, kids, no hands. We're like, ah, that's it. <laughs> it's legit. You put that thing on cruise control, lane assist, and it just like beep, beep. Steering wheels moving and stuff. I'm like, this ain't even, this is a Toyota. It ain't even a Tesla. It's like keeping you in the lane. My father-in-law's like, yeah, my CRV does that, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm like all right, I guess it's, it's a thing. Brakes for you if there's cars in, in the front. Some of y'all women just need to set it and forget it. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> look, look. We need to be present. We, we tell our kids that. We tell ourselves that. I'm going to be present. I'm going to be in this moment. But we're just so, and, and look, church, I'm literally preaching to myself. I'm not picking. I'm, I'm saying, look, if, if you've lost weight this year, you've known it's taken work. Like any kind of diet is hard. There's a reason why people make a lot of money off of that. I mean, it's like a, probably like a trillion-dollar industry, isn't it? It's difficult. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. It's not about the diet. I'm trying to say, like, this food thing, God is saying if you can figure out this fasting piece, short windows where you can say no, you'll receive a blessing. It's so simple but yet so profound. Many people quit in the first three days because the first three days are the hardest. I'm thinking about doing no sugar. You know what I'm saying? Because I love sugar. <laughs> Give me some little Debbie oatmeal cream pie. Somebody say amen. Oh, yes. I mean, uh, some burger cookies. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Come on. I mean, I've been just picking out, right? It's holidays. I love sweets. I love sugar. It's addicting. You, you get in day two without sugar, and I'd be over here gnawing on this pulpit. <laughs> Give me some sugar. <laughs> Give me some sugar. Come here. No. That's a different kind of sugar. You got to know the difference. <laughs> Look, the first three days, you don't you. <laughs> and my favorite is, like, people who've never done it, but everything's easy, right? Oh, I could go without that. And it's like, somehow during the 21-day fast, they disappear from church, and then they come back in February. Oh, 
oh, man, I had a that's a crazy work schedule. Here I am, Pastor Matt. Let's start it back. Huh, wonder why. You were gone 21 days, if my memory recalls. It's so easy, isn't it? Yeah. You get day two, day three, and it's like, ah. <laughs> I mean, you literally, you got to hide stuff. You have to tell your partner, like, your spouse, like, literally hide the cookies from me. I will eat them. Why is that? We're, we're so connected to it, and we don't even realize it until we try to go without it. And here's what I'm saying. After about day three, you go like this. <sighs> and then you don't even need it anymore. You're like, the chain is what? Broken. And I, and I think folks that have maybe addiction in their past, they, they get this. They probably get this more than anybody. Once you get past that breaking point, though, and you understand what that freedom is like, then you understand the fact that I was not thinking clearly. I was not thinking clearly. My head was not emptied. I said I wanted the Holy Spirit's presence, but I wanted it with everything else. There's something special that happens when you decide to pursue God during a fast, when there's nothing else. And here's what I'm saying, church. It takes consistency because you're not going to get it on day one. You're not going to get it on day two. You're not going to get it on day three. You're going to get it when you let those cravings subside. you got to work for it. Being in the presence of God takes work. It takes dedication. It takes commitment. And here's what I also mean by that. If you're continually sinning, guess what, guess what a, an incredible way to break the cycle of that sin? Fasting. A detox. Why? Because first you have to prove to the Lord that he means more to you than your impulses and your desires. He wants to be the desire of your heart. I don't know of a better thing, honestly, than Americans in 2023. You're like, man, the Church of America, you know, we got it so easy. Yeah, 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 that's true. I agree. There are places that have it a lot worse. But how do you get in on the game? How do you get in on a deeper relationship with the Lord in the midst of having it easy in the American church? A fast. That's how you make it rough on yourself. That's how you put yourself in the place to hear the voice of the Lord above all. Remember that third day song? Let me hear your words above what? All other voices, above all the distractions in this world. That's what we got to do. It is. We need to do that one. Are you hearing me, church? There's a benefit for you. Will you do it? Well, I don't. <laughs> Got to commit. A few things. You'll have a fresh desire for the Lord. You'll have louder praise. Your praise will be louder. Your worship will be sweeter. Your worship will be sweeter. Last thing, you'll have renewed commitment. Renewed commitment. Anybody looking for a renewed commitment in the Lord in 2023? I'm just trying to give you a few tools to get there. Prayer and fasting. We know Jesus said, hey, this kind, casting out demons and such, this kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. There's going to come a day when the disciples will need to fast because I will not be here. 
you couple that with John 14 when, when we know that the Holy Spirit is arrived on the scene and Jesus says, I will send, Greek word, another, English, is I'm going to send another person that's just as powerful as me, and that's the Holy Ghost, the Comforter. He will instruct you and guide you in all things. But we also learn from the writings of Paul that the Holy Spirit can be quenched and grieved. So God on the scene, God with you, the Holy Ghost living inside of you, if you have put your faith and trust in him and turned over your temple to be a temple of God, the Bible says that you can literally ignore him right there as he is living within you. Church, I don't want to be a church that ignores him anymore. Are you with me? How do we, how do we get back in touch? Scripture says that he speaks in a still, small voice to the prophet Elijah. And if he can be quenched and grieved, I think the Holy Ghost speaks the same way. He wants you to eliminate those things to where it's just him and you. He's not saying, I ain't never going to let you have a burger cookie again. <laughs> That's not what he's saying. He wants you to enjoy the goodness of the land. The promised land is a part of the story. Guess what? So is the wilderness. Paul said, that I may, don't miss this, this just came to me. Paul said that I may know him, Greek word gnosko, it means to experience him, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, but watch this, and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. It's both. It is both prospering, like a tree planted by rivers of water, Psalms 1, and it is both suffering, the cross. You have to pick up your cross and follow me, and you can have abundance in the land of the living. It is both. We can't have all the abundance without the cross. We can't have all the benefits of the house that's been built without counting the what? Cost. It is both. The kingdom of God is both, and it is very much so upside down. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. If you want to sow into your year a better, closer, more pertinent relationship with the Lord, you'll fast with me this month. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.